0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Eddie Boyd was a Ferguson police officer for approximately nine years. During that time, he was subject to numerous lawsuits alleging he'd been abusive to members of the public, arresting people without good cause, and in some cases, terrorizing them in the process. The U.S. Department of Justice even took note of his behavior in its report on policing in Ferguson. There are many good officers out there doing good work. This guy clearly seemed to be a bad apple, but still, he kept his job. One of the people he arrested for bizarre reasons is Walter Rice. Rice is a longtime Metro bus driver. He had never been arrested before. He and his wife, Retania, a nurse, had taken their four children to Forestwood Park. They were getting ready to leave when the two-year-old announced he had to use the bathroom. Walter Rice found a discreet area and let the boy urinate. His four-year-old brother joined in, as four-year-olds sometimes do. And then Officer Eddie Boyd approached. I spoke with Walter Rice yesterday and asked him about what happened.
1: Well, um, it took me a while to figure out why the officer uh, was um, looking at me, uh, mm-hmm. and I was trying to, like, did I do something, or was he just patrolling the park Cause I, had, I hadn't seen him before? So the minute he started yelling and just saying, are you serious, I'm, I was just standing there trying to figure out.
0: Why is he even talking to is, you? Why
1: is he talking, what is he talking about?
0: And when he was saying, are you serious, what was he referring to? You're, you're, you, you were there with two of your children.
1: Yes. My, my youngest had just um, urinated between the van and the, and the shrubs, uh, and I was standing behind him. So after I zipped him up, I turned around.
0: And, and that's he, when the officer started Yeah, yelling. He was
1: already sitting there and mean mugging me. It took him about, like, maybe five or six seconds to even say anything to me. He was just staring at me
0: and right away kind of had a hostile demeanor or yes i okay. mean
1: right away that's then that's what really threw me off cuz i couldn't figure out what he was so upset about mm-hmm.
0: And so this was this two-year-old boy. You you said you were excited because he had actually indicated that he needed to go to the bathroom. Right, that
1: was probably the first time he said, uh, "Daddy, I have to use the restroom." We had been working with him. You were and hoping so, to get him potty trained. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to for him to have an accident right there and then, kind of blow the whole thing. Uh, so I wanted him to feel proud of himself, and so I could just say, "Good job," you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, uh, we were doing that just because um, we were rushing out the park and my wife had to go to work.
0: And she had already loaded your two other children into the vehicle. She was in the
1: process of doing that while while that was going on, so she um, didn't know what I was doing.
0: Okay. And so this officer became extremely angry. Um, When did you start to realize, wait a minute, I think he's actually going to detain me here?
1: Um, Well, he told me to come here, you know, with a loud voice. And I was like, okay. And so, and I, and I said, oh, "What is this all about?" And he said, um, "You know, you, uh, he said something about me exposing my kids." And so I said, "No, sir." I said, "My son was completely hidden." Mm-hmm. I said, "I was standing." There, and then that's when he cut me off and started yelling at me about not me not knowing the law. He said, "Don't you're not going to pretend like you're not uh, knowing it." He repeated that several times in our conversation. Okay. And I had to uh, continually apologize and say, sir, I don't mean to uh, offend you, but I'm not sure what we're talking about here.
0: And then around this time, your wife came over. What happened then?
1: Well, she never came over. Okay. She was at the van, and she heard the racket because, we you know, it was a loud conversation. Well, he, she heard him. I was, I was trying to stay calm, and she only said something because my, my kids were getting upset because they see this officer hollering at, you know, yelling at their dad. And so all uh, she said, probably maybe about, 200 feet away in the van. is like, really, all of this in front of his kids? By that time, he had told me to stand by the car, you know, and I felt like I had, you know, did a good job in trying to avoid any, you know, (laughs) know, escalation of the situation. So, um, you know, that's when he stopped doing whatever he was doing and looked up at her, like, didn't say a word to me, just came and put the um, cuffs on me extremely tight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he did that, and then he said he put me in the back seat, and he said, because of her mouth, you're going to jail.
0: Now, had you ever been in a situation like this before where a police officer handcuffed you, put you into a cop car?
1: No, I mean, I, I, I dealt with some, um, you know, profiling issues as a teenager and things of that nature, but never mm-hmm. uh, cuffed up. I've never been cuffed before. Okay.
0: So what was going through your mind? I mean, this must have seemed like a crazy I was like, situation. This, this
1: it, it was unreal and one of my main things because of his demeanor, I was trying not to get it escalated because in my mind I was like I don't know what he would do in front of my children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's why I had a sigh of relief with just when I was standing by coming my wife said what she said that this pulled him to where he wanted to do I think initially.
0: Now, at one point, Officer Boyd announced he was going to arrest your wife, too. He said the Department of Social Services would have to come and, and pick up your kids. And here you are, handcuffed in this car. You must have been petrified.
1: Well, um, when he was, uh, he, he jumped, he just never said a word to my wife. So my wife didn't know why he was talking to me or why he had cuffed me and put me in the back of the car. So at that point, that's when she told my 10 year old daughter to start filming with the um, cell phone camera. Okay. And so as he was driving out the parking lot, she just jumped in the car, and my 10-year-old uh, was passenger to see um, filming the whole thing. So he noticed the light from the phone and started talking to my wife as if I wasn't in the car. Oh, you want to take people? Oh, you want to take people? You know, just going <laughs> going on and on like that. And I'm like, wow. You know? And I'm not <laughs> saying anything, because I just don't know right. what, what, what what he's uh, capable of. So. Um, he he uh, said, "Well, you can film him all the way to jail because that's where he's going." Like talking to her, and as he made a right turn out the parking lot, that's when he said, "She's going to jail too because she didn't use a turn signal."
0: And here she is turning out of a parking lot. I mean, at this point, you must have thought you were living in the Twilight Zone.
1: Well, I couldn't believe it, and uh, it it was hard for me as a man, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm you know I'm to protect my family, and I hear him you know yelling at my wife, <laughs> you know while I'm. You know, in the back seat of his car, and I know my children are there, so I don't know what's going through their head. And uh, I was in pain at the time, so I was just like, "Man, this get me to the." Because uh... <laughs>
0: you said he cuffed you very yeah, tightly. Yeah. Okay.
1: I just said, "This get me to the um, police station, so you could take these cuffs off." So I'm actually taking deep breaths, trying to endure it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and next thing you know, probably about maybe five, or six minutes after that, I look up and I see my wife in handcuffs going to uh, another cruiser.
0: That's Walter Rice detailing for our audience his disturbing encounter with Ferguson officer Eddie Boyd in June of 2014. Boyd is no longer with the Ferguson Police Department. That's a new development that we'll talk more about in a minute. But for those seeking to hold him and his employers accountable for their actions, the story is only beginning. Joining me in studio to talk about just that is attorney Javad Kazali. Javad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, Javad, you represent Walter Rice, and we heard him speaking just now about what happened when he allowed his young sons to urinate in a secluded part of a city park. What was your
2: reaction when he first told you this story? Well, when I first read about it, I thought it must have been fake. I mean, you see parents all the time when they have young kids who can't hold it anymore. I've got young children, and Where they do these types of things behind bushes, especially when there are parks that lock up their bathrooms because they don't want homeless people there. There's no other choices. So I thought there must be more to this story. But the more we looked at the DOJ report, we talked to the attorney who was originally involved, we talked to them. We found out, no, this was simply a police officer that just lost his mind.
0: And by DOJ, you mean the Department of Justice, their report on policing in Ferguson had already covered this incident.
2: Yeah. um, The fact that this is still going on and that Ferguson hasn't made it right is pretty shocking to me because in March of 2015, so four and a half years ago, the Department of Justice issued a 105-page report. And there's one whole page of that report that's about multiple incidents that Officer Boyd was involved in where he kind of lost his mind and violated people's civil rights. And this incident was specifically included in there. I read about this in the DOJ report before i had ever met the Rice family.
0: You represent another man who's who's suing the Ferguson Police Department for an encounter that he had again with Officer Eddie Boyd. Um, Your client's name here uh, is Bob Menzel. What are the facts in that case?
2: Well, in that case, it's very similar to the Rice case. Um, He was doing nothing wrong. He encountered... Officer Boyd and Officer Boyd just basically lost his mind because of the way my client exercised his rights. My client was a passenger, not a driver, in a pickup truck that had allegedly a broken taillight. Officer Boyd pulled him over, I pulled the car over, and then began to ask everybody in the car for their driver's licenses, including my client. My client said, wait a second, I didn't do anything wrong, I'm just a passenger. Why do I need to give you my driver's license? The Supreme Court has held on multiple occasions that you don't have to give your ID if you're not a suspect in a crime. My client says he doesn't think it's right, but does give Officer Boyd his driver's license. In reaction, because Officer Boyd didn't think he gave it to him fast enough, he arrested my client and charged him with two charges of failure to comply and took him to jail.
0: Failure to comply even though he complied?
2: Failure to comply even though he complied and failure to comply, even though he complied with something that every officer in America is trained on knowing is an unconstitutional thing to ask somebody to do.
0: You've got to be looking at this pattern with this officer and thinking, what is going on here? What do you think is is the case with what's driving this officer to behave in these ways?
2: I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask him. I can just tell you that based on just Googling his name, this has been a— ongoing issue with officer boyd since at least 2004 when he was an officer with the st louis municipal st louis metropolitan police department
0: and Arch City Defenders is handling another lawsuit against Ferguson and against Eddie Boyd. This one is also related to his conduct at Forestwood Park. I'm just going to read a brief excerpt from that. Fred Watson alleges he was approached by Boyd after a game of pickup basketball. He was sitting in his own car cooling down when Boyd began shouting at him, put your hands on the steering wheel. Do you know why I'm stopping you? Do you know why I pulled you over? And from there, Boyd allegedly brandished his gun before cuffing Watson, having his car towed, slapping him with no less than seven tickets. Watson was cited for not having a valid driver's license, even though he had one. He was cited for having his windows illegally tinted, even though that wasn't the case. He was cited for failing to use his seatbelt, even though his, his car was parked when Officer Boyd approached his vehicle. He ended up losing his security clearance over these charges. He was a security contractor. Javad, in your experience, what kind of due diligence were Ferguson prosecutors and judges doing in weighing these cases brought by this officer?
2: Well, the previous prosecutors in Ferguson who have now been let go I dealt with them constantly, and I think their view wasn't that they were there as instruments of justice. They were there to back up the police officers. In the Menzel case, the part that was really, as an attorney, the craziest for me was I was arguing that the stop was unconstitutional, and the Ferguson prosecutor admitted that, yes, Officer Boyd had no right to ask my client for a driver's license because he was not a suspect in a crime— but the moment that my client exercised his constitutional rights to ask him, "Wait a second, why are you doing this?" At that point, the prosecutor argued that made my client a suspect. He might have committed a crime and was hiding it, and thus he was allowed to violate the Constitution and ask him for his driver's license again. And we didn't, get, when he didn't give it the second time, then he should have gone to jail. It's this cyclical thing. We had another case involving Officer Boyd as a minor. Um, character and it involved using Crayola chalk on a sidewalk, and the Ferguson, the old Ferguson prosecutors argued that that was felonious damaging of property. Um, you know, it seems like Ferguson, until very recently, has decided, even when we've done something wrong, let's stick to our guns because if we admit that we've made any mistakes, that's a problem. It's. I'm at least hopeful that now that there's a new police chief in the last two months and Officer Boyd at least has been, I don't know the exact reasons behind it, but is no longer employed there, that some change may be coming.
0: Okay. We've just got um, a little bit of time here before we need to take a break, but you have been able to confirm recently that Officer Boyd is gone from this department.
2: We have. We um, filed the lawsuit. When we did that, we went to serve the lawsuit on him at work. It was rejected. And then we were told um, specifically by the attorneys for Ferguson that he's no longer um, employed there. So we had to end up finding him at a car wash to serve him. He was working
0: at a car wash or getting his car washed?
2: No, we went to his house to serve him and he was in his house and refused to come out. And we were able to find out that he was involved in a charity car wash for his um, motorcycle club and that's where we served him.
0: That's attorney Javad Ghazali. We'll be back in just a moment to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. Welcome back. We'll return to our conversation about Ferguson Police Officer Eddie Boyd in a moment. But first, here are some of the stories our St. Louis Public Radio newsroom is following today. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is visiting an early childhood development center at Harris Stowe State University today. He has made early childhood development part of his workforce development initiative. And death penalty opponents are protesting at the Missouri State Capitol. They want Governor Parson to stay the impending execution of Russell Bucklew. That execution is scheduled for next Tuesday. Bucklew has a skin condition that his lawyers allege will make Missouri's execution methods especially painful. Join St. Louis Public Radio this afternoon for local and regional news and throughout the day on our website at stlpublicradio.org. And now back to our conversation, we heard earlier from Walter Rice, um, who was arrested Um, in Forestwood Park after he allowed his two-year-old son to urinate outside. There's been some real anguish for this family. And Walter Rice told us uh, that his mother-in-law ended up picking up the kids after 20 or 30 minutes of him being handcuffed along with his wife in police cruisers. Here's what he had to say about how the experience affected those kids.
1: So I didn't know what my children were um, going through Mm -hmm. at that time. You know,
0: They're alone in the car waiting. That's the
1: part that kind of makes me emotional because... Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, like I said, <laughs> it gets to me because my my tweet my, my 10-year-old told me my two-year-old was tr- crying so hard that, you know, he was trying to come out of his clothes. So that's how traumatized they were
0: mm-hmm.
1: over this whole thing.
0: And so much later, you ended up getting out of jail and being able to return to your family after they booked you and held you for quite some time. Mm-hmm. How were the kids when you finally got to see them again?
1: Well, they were just happy um, to see me. Um, but I just kind of, they were, they didn't want to go to sleep that night Mm -hmm. because they were wondering if, um, getting emotional again, (laughs) they were wondering if I was going to be there in the morning when they woke up. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed that like my two year old was, um, uh, the next morning when I was taking out the trash, he just started wailing and crying really hard just because I stepped out the door, you Mm -hmm. know, to take out the trash. So, um. It affected them.
0: They definitely had some anxiety yeah. from this incident. Yeah. And, um, and did that go on then for yeah, weeks or they, months? They, every
1: time they saw a police car, uh, every time they saw a security guard or a police officer anywhere that we went, they would cling to, you know, hold on to my legs real tight, say, what are they doing? What are they doing there? What are they doing? What are they, they going to do, you know?
0: That's Walter Rice talking about his experience and the experience of his family after being arrested by Ferguson officer Eddie Boyd. I wanted to let our listeners know that we contacted both the Ferguson Police Department as well as an attorney for Eddie Boyd. We asked them if they wanted to respond to any of these allegations we're talking about today or anything in the lawsuits, and we did not receive a response. Now, Javad Kazali, um, as an attorney who has spent some time looking into Eddie Boyd's background, what do we know about that background before he was hired by the Ferguson Police Department?
2: Well, we did some really in-depth research, and by that I mean we just typed his name into Google, and you're able to find his background. In 2004 and 2005, when he was with the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department, he was accused twice of using excessive force. He was exonerated by the police department in both of those. But in 2006, he uh, was accused of pistol-whipping a 12-year-old girl with a gun. And I see the way you're looking at me. Pistol whipping is using your gun to slap somebody in the face with it. And a 12 year old girl. 12 year old girl. And the police department in St. Louis determined that this was, that he did this. And they also determined that he had falsified a report in that case. Instead of firing him, they demoted him. So that was in 2006. In 2007, he gets accused again of pistol whipping a 16 year old boy. And during that investigation, He resigned, and he went to another um, small municipality, and then he ended up at Ferguson. All of this information was public. Ferguson could have known about it, and they did it. They still hired him.
0: Do you find it surprising that they would have made that hire? Obviously, you don't condone it, but do you think that's unusual that they would pick up a guy like this with that kind of background?
2: You used two words there that I think kind of juxtapose the reality of St. Louis. Do I find it surprising as an attorney, as a former prosecutor? Yeah, it surprises me. Anybody should be shocked by this. Is it unusual? No. I mean, in St. Louis, we consistently see people who are officers who get accused of malfeasance and then they resign and go to another police station.
0: Let's go to the phone lines. We've got a call from, actually, it's coming from Ferguson. Um, this is Ron. Hi, Ron. You're on St. Louis on the air.
3: Uh, transparency is definitely needed in all police departments across the, the nation, and especially with some of these prosecutors, because I'm amazed at the lack of common sense that some of these prosecutors have used in these cases. And those uh, prosecutors need to be named. I know some people don't like to name names, but when we have people out here making such irrational decisions, the public needs to know so when they show up somewhere else, uh, the, the citizens there can deal with them. But we definitely need some system of the publicly displaying, um, accusations against officers in, especially in the communities that they're working in at currently at that, at that time, I've been fortunate to have good uh, interactions with the Ferguson police department, but I do realize that there are bad police officers on every force and there needs to be a system to identify them and switch them to different careers.
0: Ron, thank you so much for that call. I I like the point you're making there. Javad, is there any system at this point to track complaints against officers, anything other than Google, which I know is your preferred method of choice?
2: (laughs) There are um, nonprofits that are not supported by the government that are trying to do this. But in Missouri, there isn't. There's basically one place that you can go and see if somebody still has their police license, but they won't lose their license unless they get fired. Um, You were just bringing up this point about does this happen um, rarely or unusually. There's another case that just recently happened where on video, a police officer is caught on video kicking a suspect in the head. He was an officer in Woodson Terrace.
0: And so that's a local municipality. It is. And he
2: resigned and Breckenridge Hills hired him almost immediately later. And this is a story that was all over the news. You could Google this guy's name didn't keep him from getting the job at Breckenridge Hills. Wow! We actually have a term for it. We call it the Muni Shuffle.
0: The Muni Shuffle, going from one municipality to another. Ron, thank you so much for that call. Um, Javad, one of the more interesting wrinkles on this case, uh, at least to me, I thought was the fact that Eddie Boyd actually filed a formal complaint with the Ferguson Police Department back in 2016, and then he filed a lawsuit the following year. What was he upset about?
2: Yeah, this is one of the more eye-opening things. this case, as you said, has gotten coverage, lots of coverage. Um, tomorrow will be the three-year anniversary of CBS Morning News nationwide with Gail King reporting on Eddie Boyd hmm. with his whole background of all of this stuff. Um, when Oprah's best friend has turned against you, the public has turned against you. And still, when all of this is out there from what I can read in this lawsuit, Eddie Boyd well, first of all, Ferguson kind of, I think, asked for it by not firing him or doing something. And then he applied for a promotion. A lot of nerve there. Didn't get his promotion. And instead of actually having a little bit of self-reflection and saying, maybe if I stop beating kids, maybe if I stop arresting people for no reason, maybe I'll get a promotion. He filed a lawsuit against Ferguson saying that the reason he didn't get promoted was because of bias against him.
0: And why did he say they were biased against him? What's he alleging there?
2: You know, that's not my case. I I believe if I I read it, I believe that he said that there was some racial animus there. Because he's a black
0: officer in a predominantly
2: white department. Right. Um, But he also talked about the way that People investigated him too. Okay, he felt that he'd been mistreated.
0: Well, so now you're suing him in these two cases we talked about today. We talked to Walter Rice yesterday about what he hopes will come out of this litigation. Let's give that a listen.
1: Originally, when it first happened, I, I wanted to pursue it because it just needed to be exposed. I was concerned about what he was capable of doing with anyone else, you know. And I just and then that's what I was saying at the time. Said so he just needs to be whatever happens. I want to pursue it as long as. Um, as I can just to have him exposed.
0: Do you feel relieved to know that he's at least no longer with the Ferguson Police Department? Yes. That's Walter Rice, who's suing Officer Eddie Boyd. Javad Ghazali, we have time for just one more question. Do you think it helps or hurts Ferguson defense in these lawsuits that he is no longer with this department?
2: You know, in several lawsuits we have with police departments around here, I just don't know how you're going to defend from one side saying that we are getting rid of people because they're bad officers, and on the other side saying, no, we shouldn't be liable because what this person did was totally fine.
0: Javad Ghazali, thank you for coming on today and talking about this case. Anytime. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.